We're rolling. How are you doing today, Darla? Oh, you know, I'm excellent seven days a week. And let me tell you why I say that. <laughs> that threw me off. It did? <laughs> it did. <laughs> you want to do it again? No, not at all. Okay. No, I like that. So let me tell you why I say that. Because my excellence. Okay, it's it's better if I go in Spanish. If you learn any Spanish and you learn, you know, to be. You learn soy, I am, like today or temporary, and estar, I am forever, right? So to me, being excellent is a forever state. Estoy excelente, mm. not soy. And so no matter what craziness is happening in the world, no matter if I'm actually feeling great or not, it doesn't change my excellence. It just means it might show up slightly differently. Mm. So I lean on that phrase actually on days where I'm a little more frazzled than usual. So people know, oh, okay, she's an excellent mom. Got it. <laughs> well, so, it's, a, it's a mindset, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you can keep a positive mindset, then it kind of sets the tone for the day. Yes, that's right. In everything. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, the worst thing can happen to you, but if you keep that mindset, then you're like, oh, okay, I can, I know I can make it through. It'll get better. Right. And all the evidence in my life so far shows that I've made it here today. So what makes this new thing, this new challenge, this new barrier different? That's uh, that's a good point because there's a, a phrase that says uh, the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that has ever happened to you. Mm. And I think it's so, so often so many people get wrapped up in like, oh man, today just sucks. Like, and it's like, <laughs> does it really, does it does really it? suck or can it get worse? And is it the worst thing that's happened to you? Mm. I mean, what is the worst thing that could happen to you? And mm. has that happened? Mm. Heavy. And I think we focus too much on the negative and instead of focusing on the positive. And I think it's easy to do that, right? And it becomes a habit because we start off with just when someone asks you, oh, I'm having a crappy day. And you don't realize that because you've said it 10 days in a row, mm. because you've said it 10 months in a row, 10 years later, your life is crappy. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's why is my life crappy it's manifestation right like yeah. you're manifesting the kind of behavior that you're projecting into the world yeah your and attitude so that's why i'm excellent seven days a week even though this day is going to be a challenging day for me i've got a lot going on had some child care things i had to work through at the last minute ahead of a work trip um the reason i'm going out of town for a work trip is there's a big important event that i'm in charge of Oof. but i'm not there and so i've got two business days to make sure that everything is lined up before this big, important event. Oof. But today is excellent because I'm excellent. Even if the day is going to go a little sideways and I'll be a little frazzled. And besides, I get to talk with you about some of my favorite subjects. So for this next however much time we're together, I'm just going to be here with you and not yeah. worry about all that stuff. We put the phone on. I didn't put it on airplane mode. Maybe I should. <laughs> well, that, that'll be determined as time goes on, I guess. Yeah. Depending on how important people think you are in this moment. That's right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. How are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. See, you're projecting your attitude onto me, so I have to say excellent. And I won't even charge you for it. You can use it anytime <laughs> you want. Put it on t-shirts. That's a good idea. <laughs> doing excellent. Excellent today. Um, yeah, no, I'm doing good. I So I'm on strike right now, and I've been doing podcasts like crazy so um and i enjoy doing podcasts so it's it's been a fun adventurous week for me yeah to be in the studio 
in the studio, creating content, releasing people's stories and all that fun stuff. Yeah. 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 You know, strike is one of those things where you get good and bad. There's a balance, right? It's like, well, if I'm not working, what does that mean for the whole system we have built in our household and our family? Right. Right. It's yeah. a little bit off where it's a little bit different. You know, how long can we sustain in this yeah. style? Right. Yeah. But at the same time, you have some new time freedom that you don't normally have. Right. And so it's like, huh, interesting how I'm using that. I did a slightly longer workout. Yeah. I spent, I took the long way when I dropped the kids off. I cooked this kind of elaborate dinner instead of just throwing something in the oven or right. heating it up in the microwave. And it's like, oh, is this what I would do if I had time All the freedom? Time. <laughs> interesting. Interesting to learn this about myself. It is interesting. And that's something that, um, like for, fortunately for me over the years, we've had a lot of time off since COVID we had, you know, part shortages we've had, um, we, we've been laid off for like part shortages, uh, all kinds of things. Um, I can't even think of other reasons, I guess mainly part shortages. Yeah. <laughs> and then now the strike. And I guess before that, before COVID we had another strike. So we were out for eight weeks. But one thing you realize is like, you do, when when we're working, you don't have the time. You don't have the time to do the things that you enjoy doing. Um, you just have the time to do the bare minimum. And for me, the bare minimum is like working out, making dinner, helping the kids with homework, getting them showered, and then going to bed. Right. That's the bare minimum. And then you don't have time to like sit in the evening and do a podcast or like release stuff on YouTube. But now it's like, okay, now I need to make the most of this time. Like how can I... How, what steps can I take today that is going to like push me forward when I do go back to work? Right. What can I get ahead on or like fill up my personal interests, love tank so that like when I have to pull from it, there's actually a little bit extra in there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's something that I try to take advantage of, but I'm enjoying it nonetheless. Good. Yeah. So, uh, with that being said, you're releasing a book here soon. Um, I am. Yeah. What is the title of the book? How to Afford Everything. Mm. And uh, how did that come about? So it depends where you want to start. So the short version, and we'll get into the long version, is that for the better part of the last 10 years or so, I have wanted to help and have found ways to help other people change their relationship with money because of my own money journey. The audio is going in and out. Yeah. Am I moving? uh, Just move the microphone down slightly. Okay. So like you can kind of just pull it down and then just point it up. Okay. There you go. Okay. All right. We'll see. So this idea has been in my head for the better part of the last decade or so. Um, Because when I was in college and I got to see how other people just live their lives and had stress as a college student, but completely different stress around Mm -hmm. money and life. I was like, okay, I think I can figure this out. The people I'm going to college with don't have the same money stress, the same thoughts, behaviors around money. And I had always thought that if my family had just a little bit more money, because I come from a line of very smart, relentless strong, resilient, mostly women, but it's a few men in there too. And I know that they figured out how to get out of situations that were insane. And if they had had just 
a little bit more money, that them them getting out of those situations would have been faster and easier and smoother, mm-hmm. or they might have been in those situations in the first place. And so I always had this little belief, like, damn it, if we just had a little bit more money, right? Some of the things we experienced might have never happened, or would have been much easier to solve. You think about that, like how many people are in situations, um, and I, I think about it in like a in my personal situation, like with my, my mom, my adopted or my uh, biological mom, before we went into foster care, the whole reason why we went into foster care was because she didn't have money. She didn't have the resources that she needed. Right. But had she had that, where would we be? Like, would we have been taken away from her? Would, I mean, money changes everything. Yep. And people say it's not that it's not, you know, it doesn't create happiness, but Mm. if you have enough money (laughs) to where you can just live and you can provide for the, basic necessities and then you have extra to enjoy your family that's happiness right and maybe it doesn't create it but it sure as heck you need it facilitates it yeah right because if your needs are met and then you've got space time energy for the things you like Mm -hmm. that's the path to happiness right right and so sure money might not create it but it sure as hell facilitates it there's a meme i seen one time was uh have you ever seen a sad person on a jet ski (laughs) (laughs) right and i mean if you talk to them before or after they might be a little bit depressed man i should really (laughs) should be worried about this other thing but in that moment they they are not right right? yeah yeah no and that's the thing though i mean especially here in america we're so dependent on materialistic things to create happiness and sure that doesn't necessarily create happiness but again the money around that helps facilitate the happiness i mean if you can afford to buy things like if you can having to think about like let's say you want to there's something you want um maybe i want a new grill or Mm -hmm. maybe i want to maybe i want to put a pool in the backyard um for the family like being able to just think about that and be like, I, I should be able to go do that and being able to afford that creates happiness. It's the it's the ability to provide for your family and provide a leisure for your family. Yep. And it can go even on be, vacation is another one. Yeah. And it can even be tiny, smaller examples of I want to be able to go to work and know that my child is in a safe, clean, nurturing environment mm, and not with whichever family member happens to be available today. And I hope they picked them up from the bus on time. And I hope they fed them. And I left the snacks out. Right. And did they get what they needed? Because I can't get home till six. Right. It could be as simple as I know my child is in a daycare situation, whether it's at a home or at a center or even with a paid babysitter that I can go to work and I'm not worried about my child. And that if I get a call or a text from that child care provider, it's they might just be giving me an update or sending me a picture of one of the things they're doing, right? And not right. come get your kid. You got to leave work. I got to go somewhere. My car broke down mm-hmm. because they're with that family member who helped, maybe reluctantly, maybe willingly, but something else came up for that family member, right? right. It could be as simple as just having things work in your life smoothly. Yeah. Doesn't even have to be big. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing too. Uh, I was t- I was actually uh, at a um, a political event uh, last weekend. I seen a RFK. He had co- he had come to Lansing. He was doing a speech, and he was talking about how like most people in the United States don't have a thousand dollars 
in their bank account. That's right. And he was saying that, you know, something could happen. Let's say their car breaks down and now they can't afford that. What if they have two tires blow out? Now they can't afford that. And that puts them in a position to where they can lose their job. Now they're going to lose their house. Now they're going to lose all these things because they, because of that one mis like that one thing happened. And now it's a, a cycling pattern for them. Right. And this is actually, I, and this story is in the book, but I'll tell it here too, is one of the times that I felt like I made it. You have, you, do you have these moments where you're like, you kind of look around your life and you're like, I don't know how I got here, but I'm here. And I'm, but you, and like, I'm almost going to cry because I can't, I kind of can't believe that I'm here. Yeah. This is so cool. But like, okay, I can't let them see me cry. So let me relax. <laughs> it's cool. This is normal. No one around me know that this is not normal. I was, we were, I was living in Washington, D.C. at the time. Uh, my husband is in the military. So the army tells us where to live. And the army at this time had told us to live in or near Washington, D.C. And he was away for something. I don't know if it was a conference or regular duty, but he was away. And, I had gone on Saturday to get some errands. I probably was, you know, going to the grocery store and maybe dropping some dry cleaning off because his uniforms needed to be cleaned, you know, just doing regular stuff on a Saturday. And I hit something and my tire blew out. I was only about two or three blocks from home. So I decided I pulled over that like, the tire was completely shredded, but I was like, well, it's only two or three blocks. I can drive it really slowly. I'll put my hazards on. I'll park in front of our apartment building and then I'll call a tow truck. I call the tow truck. This is pretty close to like six o'clock in the evening, but it's summertime. So it's got plenty of daylight life. So I call the tow truck, say, Hey, I blew my tire. Tow truck says, Oh, I'm right around the corner from him. He gets there really fast. And he says, well, I got to tell you to a tire place. I said, can you take me to the one on the military base? Cause I know they have a discount. He said, no, I, the tow truck isn't allowed to go on the, on the base. I said, okay. He said, but I know this other tire store that's not too far. And any, I always take people there. The guys in there are really nice. I don't think they cheat you. I think they explain what they're going to do. And they always have deals. So let me take you there. I said, sure, take me there. And I can't reach my husband because wherever he is, I can't actually call him. But I'm like, it's fine. I'm a grown-up. I've, I've got a job. <laughs> I've got a credit card. I have money. I can take care of this. I'm a strong, independent, but also happily married person. <laughs> um, and so we get to the tire store. And the guy says, okay, yeah, I looked at your car. We can absolutely re replace that tire. But as you know, well, maybe you don't know, but you're, it's better if we replace two so that we can keep your balance going. I said, you know what I do? I had my, I had an uncle, a play uncle, an uncle who was the hood mechanic, right? He was the one who could, he knew enough about cars that if someone had a small issue, he could usually get the car running so that right. people could go. So I do remember him saying that, like, that if you ever have the chance to get new tires, at least get two, but try to get four. Because that helps keep your alignment together, right. keeps your balance, makes the car just run smoother so you don't mess up that part of the car. And so I said, yeah, I didn't know that. So how much for two tires? And he tells me, I say, okay, I can do that. Go ahead and do the two tires. I say, well, actually, I saw on the billboard you had something like this brand of tires, buy two, get two free. So tell me about that deal. He said, oh, yeah, well, those tires are a little bit higher end. So if you want to get four with the deal, it'll be like $150 more than I just told you for two tires. And I Ew. said, oh, that doesn't <laughs> sound 150 more for four whole tires. Doesn't sound so bad, but I think my total is going to be like 450 or close to $500. And I was like, well, it's probably okay. I have it. I'll put it on the credit card. My credit card's not due until the 25th of next month. I know I'll have the money. It'll be fine. So he takes the car back. He's like, okay, well, it don't, it won't take us long to change the tires out. Do your little balance. We'll get you going back to whatever you were doing. I'm like, okay. So I sit in the lobby and I am like 
like almost rocking back and forth, but also trying to be cool. Right. Like, what did I just do? I just spent $500. Am I allowed to spend $500? Do I have $500? What? I don't even need my car this week. Maybe I could have just left it alone. Maybe I should have <laughs> went to the used tire place. Because I saw there was a used tire place just two blocks away. Maybe I should just got a used tire. Is, did I just like ruin everything? Because growing up, I do remember there was a month, at least a month, where because my mom's car broke down, she couldn't go to work, which meant she missed hours, which meant she missed part of her paycheck, which meant we didn't have food, which meant daycare was also a mess because she didn't have enough money to pay our normal daycare provider, which meant we stayed with relatives in between, which meant we had to beg and borrow to get through at least a month. And so I had a lot of feelings about car trouble because of my experience as growing up. And so he brings me my keys. He says, all right, Mrs. Bishop, you're all set. Here are your keys. You have a warranty. If anything happens in the next however many months, just call us. We can fix them. We can repair them. We can rebalance it and everything. I was like, okay, it's fine. I drive off. And I remember getting in the car, still kind of in that, what did I do? And I pull off. And the car drives so smooth. It feels like a completely new car. And I was like, oh, you know what? Everything's good. I have the money. It's on my credit card. I have the money. I have the money in my bank account. I could have wrote him a check because sometimes I still write checks. (laughs) I have the money and your car feels brand new. Relax. Everything's okay. And I remember having that moment of I'm, I'm okay. A car breakdown didn't ruin everything. Right. In fact, something that ruined everything as a kid was just a minor inconvenience. I think between the time I blew my tire and the time I was back on the road was maybe two and a half hours. Wow. Two and a half hours just because I had the money to solve the problem. Right. Right. Or at least a resource. Right. Right. That, that I was just telling my wife that today, like a lot of people don't have resources. Um, and you know, she was we were talking about how like you know in our situation we're on strike right now but like we have we still have resources we have a house we have things we can leverage we have vehicles like Mm -hmm. if we ever got into a financial situation to where we we can't afford bills it's like well we have two vehicles we can sell a vehicle we don't need two vehicles right some people don't have any vehicle right and we have two and we could sell that and use it to pay a bill Mm -hmm. um and we have other things we could sell. That's resources. Yep. But we don't we choose not to because we like the kind of lifestyle we live. Right. And it's fine. But you know, at some point you have to leverage your resources. Right. And so how do we get to help people who don't have a lot of them to get slightly more and then right. slightly more so that they can be in a place where something that in their past life or even in their today life can mess up a whole month. Right. Just messes up part of an afternoon what kind of things were you seeing in college when you were like what how are you affording that or like what are you like what kind of things did you see like what kind of questions came about when you seen other college kids spending money and so the thing about being in college is everybody's broke but yeah. they're college broke right like you're on a college campus so you have access to food because there's food on campus you can go to a dining hall there's cheap places to eat around campus but what was like the first big example that I saw was during college drop-off. So I grew up in Detroit and I went to university in Michigan, Ann Arbor. It's only 45 minutes, but it's a world away. And that 45 minute drive up 94 is not so great for your beater used 
put together Mm -hmm. and held together with duct tape car, right? So I remember when I was getting ready to go to college, us calling all the relatives, which auntie, which cousin, which uncle could drive me, who had a car that would make it there and back. And also be a little bit bigger because I was going to take two of those big plastic totes, a rug that somebody donated to me, a microwave, you know, who had a car that was big enough and sturdy enough to get to Ann Arbor and back. And we found my cousin who was working, I think, at one of the casinos at the time. So she had like a good job and she had just leased a car. Um, one of those like two door sh- um, Ford Explorers. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> and so she had a little bit of trunk and it was a new car. And so we knew that if she could make the schedule work based on her work schedule, because it was a kind of a new job for her. So she had to make sure she wasn't messing it up. Right. Could she get me to Ann Arbor and back and still get to work on time? And she was like, I think I can do it, but we got to leave at this time. So make sure you're ready. Have your stuff on the curb when I pick you up. <laughs> so I remember I had my two plastic totes. On the curb, the rug that somebody gave me was a remnant from somebody's, you know, carpet upgrade that they did. (laughs) The microwave somebody gave me at my graduation um, uh, party and like two duffel bags. And that's what I took to college with me. And we loaded up in my cousin's car and she drove me and we, and there was a little bit of traffic. And I remember her being like, oh, I got to make sure I get back to work. So when we get there, I'm just going to drop you off and I got to go. And I was like, yeah, I get it. I know. And so she like, we get to the dorm. They're like, hi, you're Darla. I'm like, yep, I'm Darla. Like, great, we're you're in room whatever. Um, we have these special move-in makers. So other students who volunteer to like, so they can move in early, they help you move in. So they put all my stuff and it fit in one of the rolly bins. And they're like, that's everything you have. I'm like, yep, that's everything I have. They're like, okay, great. We'll take it to your room. Go fill out the form at the front desk and then your stuff will be in your room for you. I was like, oh, well, that's so nice. And my cousin's like, I love you. So proud of you. Gotta go. <laughs> And that's how I got dropped off to college. Wow. My roommate, who I talked to on the phone once or twice, you know, to coordinate, you know, like, well, what are you going to bring? And she was like, well, I'm from out of state, so we're not going to bring a lot with us. My parents are just, we're just going to buy it when we get there because it's easier for us to fly and they'll rent a car. And I was like, okay, cool. So, but I'm counting in my head. I know how much, I kind of know how much stuff costs because I lived with couponers. So <laughs> it was important to know how much things cost. So whether it was a good price or not. So I kind of, right. in my head, I'm adding things up. I'm like, oh, you're going to fly. Okay, three people. Got it. I'm going to rent a car how many days okay got it so I get to my room and my roommate's there with both of her parents and they're like we're so happy to meet you okay put your stuff down this is all your stuff I'm like yeah I've got my two bins my two duffel bags my microwave here's the rug I told you I was bringing <laughs> and we put the rug down and I could tell their parents are like that's the rug but but it's just like okay got it there's a rug and there's a microwave cool and so they're like, okay, well, now that you're here and we know what's what, we're going to go to Meyer. And they're from out of state, so Meyer's like a big deal for them. Mm. They're really actually very excited to go to Meyer. <laughs> and I'm like, I know, like, I would be excited to go to Meyer for the first time, too. <laughs> so we go to Meyer in their rental car. You know, it's just some regular car. But we're in the store, and the mom kind of pulls me aside. She says, sweet, I saw you didn't bring a lot with you, so get whatever you need. And I was like, what do you mean whatever I need? She's like, whatever you need. You need some, you need some girl products. You need, you know. And she kind of <laughs> winks at me, you know, like, get the big box. I saw they had the big box on sale. Put it under your bed. You'll have room. She's like, because we're not coming back to check on you girls for, like, two months. And I don't want to be worried about you girls. And I was like, okay, whatever. And my roommate loved Diet Coke. So they'd get her, like, four cases of Diet Coke. Wow. And they're like, do you like Diet Coke? I'm like, no, I don't really drink a lot of pop. They're like, well, do you like any other juices? Get some Capri Sun juices. I saw you eyeing those. Get, get the four pack. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And I'm, like, kind of reluctantly putting things in the cart. And this woman... This, this dad and this mom who've never met me are like telling me to throw it in the bag. And I'm like a little nervous, but also like, I mean, okay. Do you want me to pay for any of this? Right. I'm like, <laughs> I didn't really bring any money. 
And so, you know, we go to Meyer, and I'm like, wow, that was really generous for them. Okay. Next day. Oh, girls, we're going to go buy books. Darla, come with us to the bookstore. I'm like, well, I'll go with you because, you know, like, we're just, it seems like we're doing this family thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, sure, I've got nothing else to do. Um, I was like, I'll go with you, but I can't buy my books until Tuesday. They're like, why can't you buy your books today? I said, oh, I have a scholarship. I'm a scholarship student. And my scholarship money doesn't come until Tuesday. But I, they told me, like, the money is there on Tuesday, and I can get mm-hmm. my books on the first day of classes. And they were like, well, honey, how are you, how are you going to make it through the first week without your books? I said, it's the first day of classes. Like, it'll be fine. They were like, well, we can, we can buy your books. Just give the money back. All right, and yeah. we are back. And they say, well, come on to the bookstore. Don't worry. We, we'll buy your books. We know you're good for it. You have a scholarship. We know you're good for it. Just give the money back to Shelly, and it'll be fine. And I go, no, I'm I, really, I promise you it's okay. But these folks were really willing to buy me. I think when I did the math, cause I had some science classes, I had a math book and those were the books that were more expensive. I think I had like $400 in books. These folks were going to pay $400 for books for me on the promise that I'd give it back to my roommate. And then there was one more thing that happened as we were coming back from the bookstore. Now I remember at orientation, The other kids from Detroit were like, look, don't open any of your books until you've gone to at least two classes and you know you're going to stay in that class. Mm. Because once you take the plastic off, especially of the science books and the math books, you can't take them back to the bookstore. They'll just buy it back from you. So a book that you paid $150 for, they'll give you like $30 for. They said, don't open the book until you've been to the class twice and you know you're not going to drop it. I was like, okay. So I was like, word, if the older <laughs> students told me that, I'm listening. That's the best thing. That's one of the things that I learned early in life. You learn from other people's mistakes and maybe you'll avoid it. <laughs> right. So I was like, okay, cool. The, the you know, ho- whoever that was at orientation told me, I'm not open any of the books. So Shelly's over in the corner at her little desk in our dorm room, just taking the plastic off books. And I'm like taking deep breaths, like she drops that class. And I remember her talking with her parents like oh they told me not to like they said i should probably shouldn't open my books until i know i'm not gonna drop them because you can't return them and her dad was like but you need those classes right they're required for your major right and she was like yeah she's like so are you gonna drop the classes she's like probably not she's like so just open the book set up your bookshelf i was like oh, her dad just told her to open like four hundred dollars in books <laughs> and it's not even a big deal and then i heard them over say oh and sweetie when we paid your tuition we didn't know about that last scholarship you got I'm so proud of you so you might have a little credit on your account. Just leave it. We'll leave it there until next semester. So I'm sitting over on my bed with my little two totes and the, the feminine products that the mom bought me at Meyer, thinking like, wait, these folks have been here for five days. They're all going to the fo- first football game together so they can have wow. that family experience. They're in a hotel. They rented a car. They cashed us out at Meyer. They've taken us to dinner at least two times. They offered to buy $400 of my books and they wrote a check for her tuition and said, it's okay if there's money left. What do these people do for a living? Mm-hmm. These people must be doctors. These people must be CEOs. These people must be like really rich. So when her finally, her parents finally leave, I go, well, Shelly, what do your parents do? She's like, Oh, well, so my mom like works at the church but I don't know if she works there, works there, or if she like volunteers there. Cause she just started doing that when my brother went to college two years ago, she was a stay at home mom before. And I was like, you don't even know if your mom has a job. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm, I'm going to leave that alone. Cause I'm, we're just getting to know each other. You know, I'm trying to be just like real curious, not judgmental here. And then I was like, well, okay, well, what about your dad? She said, Oh yeah. yeah. He's a manager at a pharmaceutical company. And he's been, he's worked there like forever. 
when he got out of pharmacy school, I was like, oh, your dad's a pharmacist. Yeah, yeah, but he's never like worked at CVS or Walgreens or anything. He's always been like at this pharmaceutical company. So he's worked there for like ever. He'll probably like retire from there. I was like, oh, that's super cool. So you said he's a manager? Yeah. I'm like, you sure he's not like a VP or something? He's like, no, no, no. He's like a manager. I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, wait, wait. So in my brain, I'm like, her parents are regular people. These are regular people writing checks for tuition. And she told me she has a brother in college, which means they're writing checks for tuition for two Oof. people. Right? So I'm like, okay, if regular people can do this, that there's a chance for me. I've got a shot. And so I start to try to ask her questions. Well, you know, tell me about your neighborhood. Where did you grow up? Public schools, suburb, nothing that feels rich or grand or the things that I might expect for somebody who can write a check for tuition. Cause it just feels so out right. of reach for me. I'm like, okay, talking to another 18 year old about money is useless. I'm 18. Just like, I don't know why I'm poor. She doesn't know why she's not poor. So right. if I want to learn something, what do I do? Oh, that's right. Reading rainbow told me to look in a book and there's a book about everything. I'm going to the library. We've got seven libraries on this campus. I'm going to the library. And because we have an Ann Arbor address, I can use the Ann Arbor public library. I'm going to find some books about financial literacy, personal finance for dummies. Susie Orman was starting to get very popular at that time. Um, Michelle Singletary, who is a, uh, she used to work at the Washington Post and she did a financial column. She had published a book about personal finance. Mm. So I started reading books about personal finance because trying to talk to my classmates was useless. They, they didn't know what they were doing. And I was like, but I got to figure this out because if I can figure this out before I leave college, I might leave college with some money and I know I'm walking into money in the next part of my life. So I've got to figure this out. So I've started reading books. I started trying to tell my friends. I start telling my mom. I start telling my sister who is five years younger um, what things she could be doing in high school when she got her first job and when she was coming to college. And then when I finished college, I kept reading and I kept, cause I was like, I got to figure this out. And now that it's been more than 10 years of me feeling like I have it figured out, but still reading, I'm like, how can I help other people figure this out faster and get some practice? Because what I realized is when I was first learning how to budget and use money and get also get used to having money when you're poor when you grow up poor you go through these cycles of feast and starve mm -hmm. because when you are so tired of starving and you get something you're just like I'm just so tired of not having I'm so tired of starving I'm going to treat myself yeah. I deserve it I need it this is what's going to help me get through the next phase of starve that I know is coming it's coming it always comes and so we feast and then we starve and so it takes some practice to be like, it's okay to have a little money in the bank. You don't have to spend it before somebody comes to get it from you. Right. You don't have to right. spend it before something comes up. You have to practice having. You have to get accustomed to it. You have to tell your body, it's okay. We don't have to get rid of it because somebody's going to come get it anyway. Yeah. And so how could I write a book, put together something that would help people do some practice without as much of the pain that came along with me figuring out by myself. So is the book, um, is it the way you figured it out? You put together like a program, the, the way you, you kind of figured out how to do personal finances and get out of the situation you were in? Yeah. So for the last, so mostly informally, <clears throat> I do financial wellness coaching is what I call it because I'm not certified in anything. Like I have a, I have a doctorate, but it's so in you public do pub health. You do public speaking and stuff? Yeah. Oh, cool. And, and I'd work one-on-one -on -one. and this started with like friends and family 
And then it started with like coworkers who'd be like, you seem to like, we make the same amount of money, but your life seems smoother. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I was like, well, cause although we make the same amount of money, I actually have three jobs. So we make the same amount of money here. But right, I, when right. I leave here, I go to job number three. And on the weekends I, I, I work job number two. And they were like, why do you work so much? I said, oh, because I need three, I need money three times. I need enough money in this stage of my life. This is when I was in my early twenties. I was like, because I'm solving for three stages of my life. I'm solving for past money issues. Like I'm trying to make sure that my siblings have what they need. So I'm sending money home. I am also, I picked up a little bit of debt those first couple of years of college, just trying to figure it all out. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to get rid of that debt. And because I'm in college, I'm going to have some college debt. Not a lot because right. I had a lot of scholarships, but I'm going to have a little bit. So I need money for past decisions and decisions of my forefathers and mothers. Mm-hmm. And I need money for the future because part of the reason I have debt in the first place is something came up and I didn't have the money for it. So I used a credit card to solve the problem. But if I could put some money in my savings account, when something small comes up, I'll have the money to solve it. So I won't have to go into debt. Right. But guess what? I also need money for today because I recognize that going without all those different years in my life growing up did something to my body. It did something to my brain. And so I have to train myself to know that it's okay to go to dinner. It's okay to do a car repair. It's okay that when someone asks you for something, you have it, you can give it to them and not be worried about when they're going to give it back to you. Right. So I need to have money three ways. I need to have it for the past, the the future, but also the present so that I can get comfortable and living a life with comfort. That's important. Mm -hmm. So do you still have three jobs? kind of yeah so I run two businesses I run the financial wellness business and uh, we have some rental properties so I'm we, and we self-manage those rental properties Oof, and a lot. Mm-hmm. and then I have a day job I work for a health insurance company because my training my education is in public health and so I'm trying to do my little part to make the healthcare system in the country work better sometimes I do a great job and sometimes I'm like oh well, this didn't let me be great today, but it's okay. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, you're part of a failing system. <laughs> oh, well, systems work for who they work for right. because they're designed to work that way. Right, exactly. But we're not talking about that today. That's a different topic <laughs> for a different day. Um, and I'm a professor part-time. I'm an adjunct professor. Where at? At George Washington University. I okay. teach classes in public health because, again, that's where my training is. Where's that at? Uh, in, in, in Washington, D.C. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get a job at MSU, but... Waiting for them to call me back. They should definitely hire you. Maybe. We'll see. Um, I, I always tell people it's important to have multiple streams of income. Because, like, for instance, like, a, in a situation, like, that I'm in right now, like, with a strike, you can always have some sort, something else to depend on. That's right. You're not necessarily putting all your eggs in one basket. It's, it's important. Right. And I'm glad you brought up income streams because people get this part wrong. So I will say that if you're working multiple jobs... Great. That's awesome. You have multiple sources of income, right? but it's the same stream that's earned income. You're trading your time exactly. for money and that's great. So if you want to diversify and have more streams, you got to do something else. Get I, people don't get that one right. And it, it, so I talk about that in the book also. Like rental properties. Yeah. Things rental like that. properties or things that are going to make you money overnight. That Right. That you don't have to be physically there right. to, to earn the money. You don't have to trade your time, your talent, yep. your information to get the money. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's something that my wife and I want to do. We, we want to buy rental properties, um, mainly for the income, but 
But yeah. also make sure you're a good landlord. Yes. Please. Yes. Because <laughs> as someone who sometimes grew up in not great rental situations, you know, that's someone's home. It can affect their health. It can affect their ease or not in getting yep. to or from work. It, it can affect their ease or not in, in, in raising their family. So, like, if you are a rental property owner, if you are a landlord, please care about the condition of your home because yep. it's someone is living there and it affects their health. Yeah, absolutely. So that's there my was, little commercial break. There was, <laughs> there was some uh, rental properties here in Lansing that were being condemned on um, that the city was cracking down on. I was like, holy cow, I can't believe people live in that that kind of environment. But the thing is they have no choice. They have to. Mm-hmm. And so if you are a property owner and you have people living in your house, please take care of the house. Yeah. Cause that's where they live. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yes, to answer your question, you just asked me, I, I guess I do still have three jobs, maybe even depending on which time of year, like four and a half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, the whole idea of having one job and like de- just depending on that, that one thing seems ridiculous because then again, if that, that company decides to fire you or if they decide to move on to a different country or close down shop or they just go bankrupt, whatever it is, they come on strike, <laughs> you know, then you're, you're stuck having to go find a different job and now you're worse off than, right. you, than you were before. Cause now you're financially hit and I don't know. You can get ahead when you have multiple streams. Right. Or if you have a partner who also works, right, that helps because then you've got two sources. But also if you have some money in the bank. But in order to have money in the bank, there's uh, some several things that have to happen. And so how do we get you on that path of, okay, if I can do this part first and then I can do this part next, then this will lead me to having a little bit of room, a little bit less debt, some savings, some backup, some time. Because when it comes to having that emergency fund, like really what an emergency fund is, is it's time. It's buying you time. It's giving you enough time to maybe solve a part of the problem or at least buy some time to get the bigger problem solved. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, um, I had a question. <laughs> it just completely slipped my mind. When does the book come out? Oh, uh, December 12th. December 12th. But I love Halloween because it's the day of the year where it's totally appropriate and, in fact, necessary to be something completely different than you are. Mm. <laughs> so you get to practice. So do you dress up? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you going to be this year? Um, it's to be determined, but we're probably going to do something matching with my kids. I've got a couple of kids, and I think we're doing something miraculous ladybug themed. Oh, okay. Cool. We'll see. What do you? What are you doing now to teach your kids financial? Um, uh, what, what would be considered like financial uh, knowledge, or like what do you? What kind of things are you teaching your children? So they're three and five, so it's got to be age appropriate, right? right? So right. we talk about special money, which is coupons, and so my daughter knows about all about special money. Mm-hmm. So I'll say, okay, we're going to go to this store to buy your juice because I have the special store money. Oh, she's like, oh right, because then we can keep more of our money. Right. She's like, okay, good. And then she's got a wiggly tooth. So we've been talking about what the tooth fairy might bring her and what she might do if the tooth fairy brings her money. She has a piggy bank. So she has the concept of saving part of your money, spending part of your money, and then using it to give someone a gift. Because I also want them to understand the importance of pouring back into your community. And when they're little, it can be a gift. And as she gets older, we'll talk more about how to be in service to her neighbors. 
because it's got to be age appropriate. It's got to make right. sense and be fun for them, right? Right. And then yeah. jokingly, she has a best friend at school, which I just love for her at seeing her like love someone and care for them and to think about them when we're doing things. Oh, could we invite our friend? Could they come with us? And she'll say, you know, I just love my friend so much. Can I marry my friend? <laughs> and I say, sure, sweetie, but you know, you got to be 18 before you can get married. And you got to check their credit first. <laughs> <laughs> so having fun with it. Yeah, that's funny. Kids are hilarious. My my son is the same way. He wants to marry every girl that comes his way. He's like, I'm going to marry her one day. She's like, okay. <laughs> because he has he sees a model of parents who are married. He's like, oh, this, yeah. this works. I like this. I yeah. want to do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love, I love kids. They're hilarious. Yeah. I think it's important to teach young people, um, the importance of finances and, and money, the concept of it. Cause that, that was something that I didn't have like a good role model. Like I, when I went into foster care, um, my adopted family, they were middle-class. My dad works at GM. Um, good. You know, the, he, he owned his house, owned his vehicles, didn't really have much debt. They had money saved, but it was not something that was necessarily talked about. It was mm. like, it was almost like we were taught that you need to have like, you need to go without so that you could save. Mm, mm-hmm. And which is important to like, make sure that you have the, the money necessary, but you also need to learn to enjoy the things in life. Right. And if you're constantly worried about, well, I shouldn't buy this because this might happen or it's a possibility that the world could end tomorrow. So I need to have money for resources then you're just going to psych yourself out and you need to just enjoy life a little too. Right. And that's why I have that concept of like, I need money. That present piece is so important. Right. You do have to practice living a life that feels good, that has a little bit of ease in it, that has some comfort that when you had a really crappy day at work, cause it happens and you just don't have the energy to cook a good meal that you can mm-hmm. still buy a meal that isn't so unhealthy for the family. Right. And then not feel and a not, financial impact and not feel it. a financial impact and not be thinking about, man, I shouldn't order that food. I should have just right. heated something up from the freezer. Right. To right. not be thinking about it days and weeks later. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's an important balance to figure out, but it takes some time and some practice to figure out. And so I'm hoping that through the book, how to afford everything. And the reason I wrote it, I type, I titled it that way, how to afford everything. Cause the everything is subjective. Maybe it's how to afford everything you need because mm. that's where you're at. You just right. want to be able to afford everything you need. Yeah. Forget the wants, forget the luxuries. I just want to be able to afford everything I need. Especially right now. I mean, right because now. inflation's insane. Yeah. Greedflation, <laughs> you know, prices are, yeah. are up, you know, even our grocery bill, And we buy pretty much the same things every week Mm -hmm. because I've got little kids. So they are comfortable in certain foods. Right. So Tuesday night is is baked chicken thighs. Wednesday night is some variation on spaghetti. Thursday night is some variation on uh, chicken breast. Right. Like we eat pretty much. And then Friday night is pizza night. Right. We eat the same things. I'm in your house on Fridays. Okay. Well, (laughs) depend on which week because we kind of rotate who has the best Uh, coupon. You're you're trying to throw me off here. We do. Pizza night rotates because it's who has the best coupon that week. Mm. Because I've got got a budget for how much I can spend on pizza (laughs) delivery or pickup. And so, but my, even my grocery bill, and again, we don't buy a lot of stuff and we do a lot of cooking at home. Mm -hmm. Keeps going up. And I'm like, but we bought the same, like literally the same things we bought last week. Yeah, literally the same things we bought a month ago, and I can see the receipts. And yeah, I'm like why is this fifteen dollars different? It's crazy because we went to the store uh, 
not yesterday, the day before. And we, we just had to pick up a couple things, a handful of things. And my wife's like, it shouldn't cost us any money because we have $30 in M-Perks. And I was like, yeah, I don't think so. And so we, we scanned and used the $30 and it just kept on going, mm. kept on going. Next thing you know, it was a $60 bill. And I was like, you were way off. Whoa. Like, how did this <laughs> even happen? How yeah. does it happen? And all we got was like two things of milk, like cream cheese and a couple other things, mm -hmm. literally a couple other things. And it was 60 bucks. And I'm like, this is insane. Like, and we have good jobs. Like, I can't imagine what it would be like for somebody who works at McDonald's or somebody that right. like, they don't have resources. They don't have the ability to make more money. Right. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's crazy. So in that kind of climate, like how can, how can somebody maximize their situation? I mean, because like things are just outrageously expensive now. So it takes a little bit more time and effort and thinking. And what's hard about when you're stressed, you don't have creativity the same way as if you're not stressed. So yeah. that adds a little layer of complication to it, but it might mean, okay, if these are the things we know we're going to buy every week, where can I get them in bulk? Maybe where can I make sure I'm using discounts and coupons? Are there any cashback apps? And even though these are dollars here, 50 cents there, over a few weeks that can add up to make it feel right, less heavy, right. right? So like get some of the apps, get the Ibotta app, get the Rakuten app, get your grocery store app. And I mean, your phone's going to have a million apps on it. But if you can get, you know, 15 here, $20 here, $30 here, that could make the difference in as things go up where it feels closer to where it was before. Right. Right. Yeah. If you have the ability to earn more money, whether that's through working overtime or extra hours at your job, um, whether that's through selling something you make or do, um, do look for ways to bring more money in because I will tell you, you cannot out budget, not having enough money. Like if you don't have enough money, you just don't have enough money. Right. You can't, yeah. there's no way to budget, not having enough money. So you have to get creative about, are there ways I can bring more money in? Is right. my car in good enough shape that I could do some deliveries? Um, because I have kids, so I can't, people who have kids can't always take on an extra job. Because right. then, then that's either more child care costs or more time away from your kids. Yep. Right? So it's like, well, that doesn't add up. Well, maybe you could do food deliveries with your kids in the car. There was a girl I had on yesterday. Um, she's a, a, a local business owner. Her story is actually really cool. It'd be cool for you guys to link up at some point. Um, but she was telling me that one thing, one thing that she does for her kids to make them extra money is, um, uh, it was, a uh, like market research. Like oh, she'll yeah. do like market research for surveys. Like, like, yeah. Surveys for like kids, like kid games and mm -hmm. stuff. So her kids will like download these games and then they'll make money doing it. Right. And so you're, you, if you want to give your kids an allowance, but maybe you don't have the money anymore. Be like, Hey, instead of doing allowance, I want to let you play this game. And guess what? You play the game. You tell them if you like it, you get a little money, right? Get some pocket money. So next time we go to the store, you can get something you want. So they can also as kids have that moment of see life is nice. I can right. get things that I want sometimes. Right. And so getting creative about ways to bring more money in, um, which if you have kids and then, then there's childcare, if you're already struggling can be harder to do, mm -hmm. but, Try childcare is so hard because it's so expensive, mm -hmm. so expensive. I'm like, not even going to tell you my childcare bill. I don't want to know because it would probably <laughs> make you cry. It makes me cry, and I have money. Well, what's crazy too is like <laughs> when we had my daughter. Um, we just had one kid, and we both, my wife and I, both work at GM, make good money. Um, at the time, we made less money, 
but we still made like decent money and we needed daycare for, I think it was like four hours every single day. Mm -hmm. And because I was on third shift. Because that was the overlap. Right. I was on third shift. She was on day shift and I just needed to sleep for like four hours. Right. And it was going to be a ridiculous, it was like 400 bucks for two half days for the week, each week. Yep. Or for a month, maybe maybe mm -hmm. it was for a month. I can't remember. But at the time, I'm like, this is insane. I can't afford mm -hmm. that. So then we had to rely on a family member who was willing to watch both my kids for a, a way lesser wage. It's insane. Childcare mm -hmm. is insane. It was almost to the point where we were debating whether it'd be cheaper for my wife to quit. To not work. To not mm -hmm. work. Because, I mean, her salary or my salary just went straight to that. Yep. And I mean... Part of the reason why I guess I still have three jobs that I just you just revealed to me by asking me that question a few minutes ago, didn't even realize I was working because I've also been working so many jobs for long. This is just how I am. Right. right? It, just, right. it just feels like it's part of me. Like it's it's weird. In fact, I'll tell my friends, it's weird. I only have one job right now. <laughs> Do you ever feel like you're not doing enough? Oh yeah, but I'm in therapy about that, <laughs> and so we're working through it. And part of it is because I'm on a mission, right? Like. I'm on a mission in my life to get as much out of my life as I can mm -hmm. because not only for me, but for my four mothers, like who could have had beautiful lives had it not been for crappy circumstances. Right. So I'm kind of like, owe it to them to do as much as I can. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I do in my family is we take pictures of the kids whenever we're doing something. Right. And I have this, I use an iPhone, I'm an iPhone user. Sorry if you're an Android. I'm um, an iPhone. Oh, okay. So I'm an iPhone user and we have an iCloud album where I sh share pictures with families and friends so they can kind of keep up with the kids because I don't really want them on social media yet. I haven't right. decided my stance on that. So this was a way for me to keep the grannies and the grand the, the aunties and the uncles and the cousins like kind of like, here's what the kids are doing. Here's what they're growing up. Here's how they're doing in school, right? This is my way to That's feed cool. them pictures, but also feel comfortable not them just being out in them. So, you know, it'll sometimes I'll go a few weeks without uploading and I'll forget like, oh, I need to upload some pictures or my mom will text me and be like, I haven't seen new pictures where my baby's at. <laughs> and so I'll put I'll go through and I'll put in a picture. I'm like, whoa, we did so much stuff this month. We did this and we did this and then we did this and we did this. And I'm like, OK, I'm doing it. I'm living. We yeah. are doing we are being we are we are doing things. We are living our lives. Life is to be lived. Yeah, absolutely. Life is to be enjoyed. I'm like, okay, I'm doing it. So part of it is like, and this, I don't think it's any more that I'm not doing enough, but that like, it's my job to live my life because I absolutely. have it. Absolutely, yeah. And then you you can, I mean, even if finances is an issue, you can find things that are free. Oh, and I, you. and like, again, I have money and I, and I keep saying that. So one of these things is important and we kind of touch on it is like how you talk about things matters. So I have these money mantras and I talk about this in the book also. So you'll hear me say all the time, well, I have money. And I say that not to brag. I promise you it's not yeah. to brag, but it's no. also to reinforce in my brain. Like it's okay. We have mm. money. Right. We can do this. It's okay. I have money. And it's also to invite more money to come into my life. I have money. Money loves me. Money comes to me because it knows that I'm going to be a good steward of it. Mm. I'm going to use it. I'm going to take every dollar that comes away. I'm going to ring it <laughs> and, and, and make it holla. Right. And right. do cool things with it and give to people and support small businesses and give my kids experiences that even if something crazy happens in their lives, they'll be able to lean on. Right. Because I remember right. like when I was a young child, like up until probably six or seven, um, I had a very different 
lifestyle because of where my parents were and were not working, whether or not they were married, whether their mental illnesses and addictions had kicked in or not, Mm -hmm. than I did from six until 21. But because I had had those experiences of going on trips, flying on a plane, going to museums, being in piano lessons, being in dance lessons, even when life was not so great, I had those experiences to kind of like remember and lean on. Right. Whereas my siblings who came in to play when not so great period of our lives was happening, they didn't get those experiences until later. And so they didn't have them to kind of keep them warm at night. I understand. Yeah. And so like, that's part of why we do so much with our kids because I don't know my husband's in the military. I don't know if something's going to happen with this military service. I've been overweight my entire life because I've got food issues around because of all the times we didn't have enough food. So I overeat because that makes me feel safe and happy. And so like, I, I struggle with that too. Yeah. Um, and so like, it's, it's a, it's a trauma response mm-hmm. to eat. I mean, it makes you feel comfortable, especially like if you, like you said, if you didn't have that growing up, um, like one thing that I struggle with um, personally with eating is like, um, cause there are certain things I wasn't allowed to eat when I was younger mm-hmm. and like candy and sweets are, are one of them. And so like, I can go off the rails, mm-hmm. like off the rails, but, I try to get back on, but you know, and it's one of those things you have to try to control. But for me, it's, yeah, that was a trauma response. Yeah. And so, because I don't know if something crazy might happen, we do try to live big, good lives with the kids so that in case something changes in their life, they have good memories and pictures to fuel them through that hard time. Right. One thing that I think is uh, super beneficial for a lot of people is going through struggle and, and not, not having the things that they need in life because then it teaches them that they have to work hard for the things that they do have. So like when I first moved out, I was 17 years old in high school, worked at McDonald's part-time. And then, um, as time went on, I got better jobs, but I still struggled. I struggled to make it. I barely paid my rent. My rent was like 250 bucks a month. It was Mm. like this apartment, like above a house and Mm. it didn't even have heat Mm. or AC, none of that. And, um, it was like, honestly, it was probably, my apartment was slightly bigger than this room. And, uh, like my shower was like in a closet. Yeah. Um, it was a sad, a sad apartment. But the thing is, is that taught me, like, I need to work harder in order to get out of the situation. Like if I ever want more in life, I have to work harder. And so in order to get more resources, I just have to grind harder and harder and harder. Whereas like a lot of people, especially like kids today that are, um, privileged, I see that they don't, feel like they have to work hard. They, mm. they, a lot of times, you know, will live with their parents until they're well into their twenties. They don't have jobs. They don't even have a driver's license mm. and they just have no ambition whatsoever to better their life. And I'm like, that is so sad. Yeah. It's like when I was their age, I was grinding. I was trying to like make it in life. And then I finally did. I made it. I made it out. It took years, but I, I got there. And I think that's important. I think that struggle is very important for a lot of people. And one of the things that my husband and I talk about a lot is how do we replicate the struggle without the struggle? Like right. how do we build in a simulated struggle? Because the struggle also does a lot of damage. It okay? does. Right. Like the fact that I am nearly 40, I've got plenty of money in the bank and I still feel the need to work for jobs. Maybe we should think about where that comes from. Right. Right. Like, right. like there's, there's damage there. The fact that I'm in a place where my fridge is always full. My pantry always mm-hmm. has food in it. But still, 
I have a weird relationship with food because of the struggle from right. 20 or 25 years ago. Yeah. Right. So like, how do we help them get the lessons that we gained from the struggle without the struggle? Right. Like how do we balance exposing them to the hard parts of life yeah. so that they get the grit so that they get the muscle so they get the know-how so they get that creativity born out of survival. Right. right. Without the struggle because the struggle isn't that great. No, right? it's not. Like, it's not fun. <laughs> like if you like I, I have had and scary too. hundreds of hours of therapy to get to the place where I talked to you and I didn't cry about the life. Well, then right? you, you like, also think about too, like the struggle, like you think about like, yeah, the struggle was good for you in a sense, in the sense where you were able to make it out. It was motivation. But then what about the people who didn't? What about the people that it, who are it, in it, who caved and they fell into drugs or they went to prison or jail? And it's like, what about those people? Because right. not everybody can has the mental fortitude or even like the know how to get out of a situation or the network. Right. Like I will tell you the problems of my family. One thing that was not in short supply was like confidence in our ability to do things. So like no matter where my parents were, they always said, you can do it. If you don't believe in you, I believe in you. Mm. If you want to do it, you set your mind to it and you figure it out. And I can't always help you, so you might have to figure it out on your own. So even if they were going through whatever they were going through, they still found a way to pour into me and instill this weird confidence that I have no right to have. I mean, I do now because it's doctor, actually. <laughs> but even before then, so, like, even though we had not great stuff, I had a few people who were really good at pouring into me in that way. But it's, what about the kids who don't have that? It's so important when you have people who believe in you. Right. Yeah. If you have somebody who believes in you, then you have, you know, you have somebody that's behind you supporting you. And then I had clues from the people I went to college with like, Oh, okay. So you can't tell me because just like I'm swimming in poor people water, you're swimming mm -hmm. in not poor people water and you don't know that you're swimming in it until you're out of it. Right. So you can't tell me, but you gave me a clue that there is something different. So let me go figure it out. Right. You see something in real life that's not on TV and you're like, well, maybe I can figure it out because that's a real person who's doing it, not just something they made up for the right for the entertainment of right. us poor folks. Right. Do you do you teach this kind of stuff like in a public speaking like setting? Yeah. So my main place that I educate right now is I'm a volunteer and um, I, I'm joining the board of Junior Achievement Mid-Michigan. I love wow. junior achievement. I wasn't exposed to junior achievement until I was a grown up. And I was like, well, if I had had this yeah. growing up, maybe. That's where they go to high schools and teach, right? They start, they actually have a program for K through 12. Oh, wow. K through 12. So they have, and it's age appropriate, right? So what they're doing with the third graders yeah. is math exposure using money. What they're doing with eighth graders is some career planning. Like, okay, as you're going to high school, what are some of the things you might study? What some of the things you might think about? Right. Um, what some things you might volunteer with? Because those are the things you want to learn more about and be involved with. And in high school, we get into the like nitty gritty of budgeting and debt. And and so I teach a high school class at Everett. Mm, very cool. Who is uh, who's in charge? Is that Susan? Who's in charge? Yeah. Do you yeah. know Sue Shilton? Yeah. Yeah. Sue's I, awesome. Uh, I did. Uh, I, I did it at Sexton. I I spoke. That's great. Yeah, oh, was, maybe the career day. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I believe it was, no, was it the career day? I, I don't know. There was a bunch of people. Yeah, there. Junior Achievement has a bunch of programs. So if you are thinking about a way to give back to young people yeah. and you don't mind talking about what you do for a living, um, about money, they have all the materials for you. So you can do something as small as a half day at a career day type thing. 
you can do something as big as a eight week, one hour a week um, financial literacy class wow. and a bunch of things in between. You can volunteer at some of their events. You can attend their breakfasts. So it's a they have really a lot of ways for you to get involved if that's something that you you might like to do. Yeah, no, it's a really cool program because um, when I went, I had a couple people from that who spoke at that event um, on the podcast. Mm. But like one of them was, um, and I think it's one of the most important ones, is a, a lady who uh, she works for a union and she tells, she goes into all these schools and tells people, you don't have to go in debt in order to make a good living in life. Like you right. could go to, go to like get a skill trades, mm-hmm. they'll pay for it while you're working and you're making six figures. That's right. And if you do want to be one of those people who go to college, there's a lot of ways to get that paid for so that you're not going into debt. One of the chapters of the book, I do talk about how to decide whether and when it's time to go to school or go back to school and how you can figure out ways to creatively pay for it. Mm. Now, when I went to graduate school the second time, um, I was already a professional. I was already married. And I was like, how can I do this without taking on more debt? Because I didn't have a ton of debt from school the first time because I was a scholarships kid. But my husband has had like doctor debt and is not a doctor. He is a soldier. (laughs) And so the fact that I didn't have much and he had a lot, we were able to balance that. right? Right. And then we also knew because of his public service as a member of the military that we should be able to get some of those forgiven. So that would help us over the long term. But Um, When I was going to graduate school again, I was like, okay, well, I figured out my job could help me pay for a part of it. Um, I used his military benefits for part of it. Um, I asked the school for money. I was like, hey, I'm a graduate student. I'm black. I'm a woman. You want me to graduate, right? I need a little money to help me do that. And so I put in a script about how you can approach your financial aid office or the department in your school to ask if they have wow. any extra funds. I figured out that if I had worked for the university as a full-time person, I actually got a 96% discount on my tuition. Whoa. And so you might look at whether it makes sense to work at the university you plan to attend because maybe it might not be as big as 96%, but it might be 50%. Right. And then you can come up with the rest of it through scholarships or maybe a little bit of loans. Um, I worked for the university. I didn't end up working full time because when I did the math, cause I, I did the math. I said, okay, if I go to work for the university and they're going to pay me this much and I get this much discount, it's like I made this much money per year. Right. That's right. still less than if I work the job I'm working and continue to get raises and promotions. So I'm mm-hmm. going to stay where I'm at and figure out other ways to come up with tuition money. But I did have a way to work part time. They said, well, you can be, since you're a graduate student, you can be a student research assistant or a student teaching assistant and this is how much we pay so I basically paid I paid by teaching one class and that would be my pretty much my tuition for the semester wow so I teach a class pay for a class teach a class pay for a class so it took me eight years to finish my doctorate degree but it doesn't matter because I'll have it forever and I didn't take on any new debt and you got to call me doctor well you don't have to (laughs) but other people do (laughs) That's got to be a cool title. Yeah. Hi, I'm Dr. Bishop. I mean, that's such an achievement in life. And what is what does that feel like, knowing that you came from the hood of Detroit? First generation? My mom went to college. Okay. She did. She has a bachelor's degree. But so, she went as a working person. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, but what does that got to feel like, knowing that you came from the situation that you came from, and then now you're a doctor? And that's years and years of just hard work it's interesting 
it, it's like an interesting feeling. Part of it is like one of my main coping mechanisms, for better or worse, is I have never focused on the struggle. And so even now, as I'm talking about the book and telling my story, I'm like, well, I kind of forgot about that or I don't talk about that. And right. even before we started recording, I was like, I'm a little nervous to talk to you because yeah. there are parts of my story that in some ways I've forgotten. Mm-hmm. And, and it's on purpose, not to black it out, but because I knew that I could never focus on the struggle. Because if I focused on the struggle, I'd miss the opportunity to overcome it. And so it's not until someone kind of asks me the question, well, how did you do that? And I'm like, oh, you know, I just did this. And then I did this. And then I did this. And then I had to overcome this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I did. I did have to kind of go through a lot of gates and jump over stuff and crawl under stuff. But while I was doing, I was just like, nope, got to get past this. Nope, got to get past this. So in retrospect, it's like, whoa, I really did overcome a lot of stuff to get here. But I wasn't thinking about it. Right. And so how do I honor that part of the story and share that part of the study story so that when people are thinking about doing some of the things that I've done or even something that's just on their list, they can get some ideas about how to overcome. And so I'm working through that and I appreciate you asking me because I don't know. I'm working through it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be such a, I mean, obviously you haven't thought too much about it, but it's gotta be such a good feeling knowing that you've had that much success when yeah. all the cards were stacked against you like the the girl i had on yesterday she's from detroit too um all the cards were stacked against her she first generation um she graduated from msu with um i think a social work degree and uh she again the cards are stacked against her first generation graduated from msu um started her business during covid mm. took off got this uh she got like some sort of um it was like a scholarship through Goldman Sachs mm. um, for black women, uh, black business owners. And it was like, she it was like, I think a hundred out of 10,000 people applied for it. And she was one of them. Wow. And she went through this course uh, in New York city. She, they flew her out there wow. for like this eight week course or something. And then graduated the program, got an investor and then started like, she was able to do her business. And um, from my understanding, it's successful, but, I don't know. It's just crazy. Like to, it to is. know where you come from. And and it's the same thing for me, like knowing like what my life could have been, mm-hmm. like knowing where I came from and knowing that that could be where I'm still at today, but chose yep. to, to not allow myself to be there. And not to talk bad about anybody. Cause that's not why I'm here. But I mean, I have cousins, right. Who had similar life circumstances and we are in very different places. Yeah. And so what I do know that I do is I'm always looking for ways to contribute in case I can find that kid that hears something from me that like gives them just enough fuel to get to the next, like, you know, like in a game, there's like checkpoints, right? <laughs> right. So maybe if when yeah. I interact with a young person or even a grown up, right, can I yeah. give something to them that gives them just enough power to get to the next person or thing that gives them enough power to get to the next person or thing? Right. So right. that's how I, I think I manage like, how did I get here? Yeah. How am I here? Yeah. Like, uh, I don't really know. And I'm going to stop asking questions and instead like give what I can to other people in case they can get here too. Right. Exactly. Cause come with me. It's fun. It's fun over here. It's like, my life is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes I can't believe it. Like my life is awesome. Yeah. I'm stressed about things that I never imagined could even be stressful. First class problems. <laughs> First class problems. <laughs> and then I just throw some money at it and it's and it goes away. Right, right. 
It's funny because we laugh about it, but it's so true. Whenever something, um, like my wife and I will get upset about something, it's like, that's first world problems. First like, world problems. Like we're so stressed about that, but like there's so many people that are just stressed about living. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you shake my head like, really? This is, this is the things you're worried about? <laughs> These are the things that are keeping you up at night? Wow. Right. <laughs> Well, uh, Darla, this was a, a fun podcast. I, I would like to do it again. Okay. Um, maybe when your book comes out, we'll, yeah. we'll do it again um, to promote it, and maybe we'll get we'll get further into your story. Yeah, and we'll and I'll bring it with me so that we can actually talk about how to money because maybe yeah. if we can give people a few actionable things to do, um, it might take them a little further on the journey. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for doing this. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. Absolutely, thank you.